Good morning, everyone. I'm Ashley Ragsdale, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm the Executive Director of the Healing Words Foundation, and I'm filling in today as our Prairie Doc Radio host. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Rick and Joni Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430, 605-692-1430. With us today to answer your medical questions is Dr. Kelly Evans Hollinger. Welcome. Good morning, Ashley. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Dr. Evans' is specialty is internal medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. So, Dr. Evans, this week our show is dermatology. Mm-hmm. So, I was thinking about it this morning, and that is a lot of things. It is. I, you know, I feel like I've had the pleasure. Part of it is I... I have this ulterior motive and that one of the guests is one of my closest friends from medical school. So I try to get the Derm show every spring, but it's always a really good show because people have a ton of questions about their skin. Um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Essay this week, we're talking about pest. Yeah. Uh, our family is a big, we have a pop-up camper. Uh-huh. Uh, we like to be outside all summer long. Uh, specifically, it talks about mosquitoes and ticks. Mm-hmm. What, what do we need to know about these? Yeah, so I think the, the, the thing that we tend to forget, we all hate mosquito bites, right? It's easy to want to avoid mosquitoes because the bites are... They a itch. big annoyance. Yeah. They are terrible. Um, but we forget that they can also carry diseases. And so part of the essay is about West Nile virus, which is quite common in South Dakota and really pretty prevalent across the in- entire United States. Um, different years, we have different rates of it. And it usually just depends on how many mosquitoes we have. Those rates tend to go up when we have bad mosquito years and, and et cetera. Um, but there have been years where we've had lots of cases in South Dakota. So and really the only way to protect yourself is to minimize mosquito bites. I mean, you're probably not going to get through the summer without a single mosquito bite, but the fewer you have, the less likely you are to get a mosquito-borne disease. If we get bit by a mosquito, uh, what are we looking for symptom-wise that says, like, okay, we need to go see Dr. Evans? Yeah, I mean, so the common symptoms of West Nile virus are pretty nonspecific viral symptoms. So fever, headaches, muscle aches. Pretty typical stuff. And for symptoms like that, you know, sometimes we'll test. You know, the testing doesn't give you sort of an immediate thing to do. So if you're young and healthy and have those symptoms and it's the right time of year, maybe you've had a lot of mosquito bites, it's a fair assumption to to think that may be the case if you don't have anything else going on. Um, And, you know, most cases, like so many of these viral diseases that we talked about, most cases are mild. Um, if you get more severe symptoms that such that you're noticing weakness or, um, other neurologic symptoms, maybe your family member has had this febrile illness and their, their consciousness is not quite normal. They're maybe confused. That would be a reason to definitely seek medical care because the more severe cases tend to have those neurologic symptoms. And I think there's a, um, and I don't even remember what state website has it, but there's like a tracker of West Mm -hmm. Nile virus during the summer too. Yeah. That you can keep uh, a lookout of just kind of what's happening in your area. Absolutely. So it's a reportable disease like many infectious diseases. So all state departments of health will probably report that data. Um, And depending on the state, the the reporting system will be different. But you can see prior years on the CDC website. And you're right. um, all, All state departments of health will collect that data. 
So mosquitoes are one thing, ticks are yeah. another. What mm-hmm. do we need to know about ticks? Yeah, so ticks, also a pest, right? They're, if anyone's not grossed out when they find a tick on them or their kid's skin, <laughs> like it's terrible. Um, ticks can carry a variety of diseases and sort of the the specific species of tick is specific to the specific disease, generally speaking. So we have a lot of tick-borne diseases in the United States and those diseases kind of have regional places where they tend to occur just based on the tick populations. So the most common would be Lyme disease, and that's probably the one that most people are familiar with, too. The really heavy areas um, when it comes to Lyme disease are generally the northeast, um, the Great Lakes. So like if you go a little bit east into Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, um, those states tend to have high rates, and then the northwest. And that's just because the right tick lives in those locations. Um, South Dakota, we tend to have a lot lower cases, actually, of Lyme disease compared to those other states. But there, there are a few cases every year. And I would also say that most experts say that's probably going to evolve and change as the climate changes. The, these tick right. distributions are going to change, too. So right. mm-hmm. I will say uh, when looking for graphics for your essay this week, the CDC does have some amazing maps yes. if people want to look at it. Mm-hmm. That just breaks it down by state and it has a picture of the tick that you should be looking right. at. Um, so we get, uh, we find a tick, uh, mm-hmm. we remove it. Yes. Uh, what are we looking for if something's going to happen? Yeah. So um, it, it can vary again depending on the disease. And so a lot of these will give people fevers, maybe a rash. So Lyme disease sort of has this classic rash. But the thing to know is that not everyone who gets Lyme disease has that okay. classic bullseye rash. So you, you could get the disease without having the rash. Um, Joint pains would be a common thing, that kind of thing. Um, You know, some of these diseases are enough that if you have, the other thing that people should know, the longer a tick stays on, the more likely they are to transmit the disease. That's just sort of basic disease transmission. So if you find a tick and it's teeny tiny and you think you it's been on you for an hour or two, like the risk would be very low. Sure. If it's engorged and it's been, you know, sucking your blood for days, yeah. higher risk. But you got to have the right kind of tick. So sometimes like that CDC website is great. I looked at that too when I was reviewing some things for for the essay um, and it has nice pictures. It has right. great instructions on how to remove a tick yes. without doing anything silly. Um, so it's a good resource. We'll be going to our first break here shortly. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Give us a call now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. Again, that number is 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from Avera Medical Group. Attention drivers, there are many bikers on the road. Please remember these rules. Share the road. Bicyclists have the same rights to the road as motor vehicles do. It is the law to allow three feet between your car and the bicyclist. Give bicyclists space on the road. When turning right, look right before proceeding. Always check the sidewalks as well as the traffic lanes when merging or turning. Slow down and watch for pedestrians and bicyclists. The Avera Medical Group Brookings encourages drivers as well as bikers to help prevent accidents. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Ashley Ragsdale, and Dr. Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call with your questions at 605 692 
1430. So when we left for a break, we were talking about ticks. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of your essay talks about DEET. Yes. Okay, what do we need to know about DEET? I know that there are, (laughs) I'd say don't Google it because there's so many conflicting articles about it. Yeah, so DEET is, I mean, there's a ton of years worth of data about safety of DEET. So DEET is generally an insect repellent. So not like probably won't work as a tick repellent for most yeah. people, but definitely mosquitoes like insect repellent is really important. And DEET would be the most common one that you'd find here. It, I mean, it has a lot of years of safety data, even in, you know, babies and pregnant women. Um, so strongly recommend a real insect repellent that will keep the bugs away. The natural stuff, you know, there's there's a, you can find a lot of products out there. Yes. DEET is what is sort of proven and tried and true. I know that for, I grew up in the South, and I remember having my mom have the Avon skin so soft or whatever, (laughs) Uh, but uh, we have, because we are outdoors so much during the summertime, we have moved on to something a little bit more effective, Mm -hmm. and um, what about uh, sensitive skin? Is it okay for people to use with sensitive skin? Yeah, I mean, DEET's not the only thing in in your insect spray, so people may find that some formulations are better tolerated than others. There's different percentages of the DEET and the other chemicals in there. I mean, if you really have sensitive skin and can't tolerate it, probably the best answer for you is keeping your skin covered. You know, wear thin clothing, but long pants and long sleeves, um, because otherwise the mosquitoes are just going to find you. That's right. Mm -hmm. So for moving past bugs... Mm -hmm. We're at a point here in South Dakota that sunshine. Yes. Like, we want to be outdoors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like today is not a good example, but uh, uh, what do we need to know about staying safe this summer? Yeah. So it's, I love it. It's a great time of year to plug sunscreen. So the sun, we all know, I, you know, compared to 20, 30 years ago, we all know the sun is bad for our skin, right? I mean, it's sunshine and being outdoors, good for us as as full human beings, no doubt about it. But sun can damage your skin in a number of ways, one of the biggest being putting you at higher risk of all skin cancers, almost all skin cancers. Okay. So, um, and different people, depending on sort of your skin tone and your genetic risk factors and all that are going to be more prone to those things. But I think everybody has a good reason to protect themselves from this, from the sun. So if you're outdoors, you know, long clothing again is a great option depending on the temperatures and stuff like that. But, um, Sunscreen with SPF that protects you from UVA and B light is strongly recommended at least the number 30 or higher. So part of your um, part of our news segments, our Rollins this week, we talked with Dr. Greenway about mm-hmm. myths. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't talk about this one, but uh, it was one that came up a lot is um, the higher the level of sunscreen, like the number, yeah. the better. What what's the yeah so it, it it's not quite you got to be careful because okay. even if you wear SPF 100 you still got to reapply in two hours right. so so the it's not like a it's not like a numeric scale if you imagine a zero to a hundred scale that 30 is only 30 percent as good as 100 right. once you get past 30 the incremental advantages get kind of smaller and smaller right. think of it as more of like a I don't know some sort of like an a, an algebraic um, graph. The curve goes yeah. very low then <laughs> yeah. after the first one. Not a lot of slope gained with more um, SPF. So there's nothing wrong with wearing higher SPF, but don't assume that 
you know, SPF 100 is three longer. times better. Yeah. You still got to reapply it every two hours is the recommendation. So I know that Dr. Guimue, um also talked about just areas that we need to be careful for. Um, she was talking about farmers, mm-hmm. especially the back of their necks, mm-hmm. the back of your ears. Uh, when you're driving, your left arm yep. or your right arm when you're sitting, like you don't necessarily think about those things yeah. as areas that you're making sure that you should protect. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about today. It's over cloudy. Yeah. Should we be wearing sunscreen today? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be outside for a prolonged period of time, that there is still UV light getting through. And that's true all winter, even here. We just, right. we don't think about it very much in our part of the world because most of us, you know, some people have good outdoor hobbies in the winter, but you know, it's, it's not usually that enjoyable to be outside for very long in the winter here. Um, but yes, all year round and with cloud cover, some sunlight is making it through. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the myths I do want to talk about that she mentions is pre-tanning before you go out and mm, be there. Yeah. And I, I, we went down and talked with Dr. Greenway and Mitchell, and she talked about this. And literally the next day, I had someone say, oh, I'm getting a pre-tan before I go on a vacation. What, what do we need to know about yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, I think there's this perception because maybe if you're if you're already tan maybe you go on vacation and you get less sunburn or something like that but that pre-tan's bad for you too right <laughs> so like it's 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 not probably as far from a skin health standpoint not the right thing to do right. i think you know if if uh if most dermatologists could see all of the tanning beds in the world burned to the ground they'd be happy for that that was definitely <laughs> a, in diff- a different segment but uh, we talked about tanning beds and mm-hmm. the lack of regulations in South Dakota, especially for children. Yeah. And just how uh, it's not safe. Yeah. And that's hard. I know that there's a cultural tradition mm-hmm. of being doing those kind of things, but that um, they're just not, they're not any safer or safe at all. No, really no, they're so. not. And of course, you're right, young people, um, you know, and I, I think there's been a huge shift. I can remember when I was a teenager. And even then, you know, a lot, a lot of teenagers went to the tanning beds yes. regularly. And I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm old now and I don't have teenagers yet. <laughs> so I don't know how common that is anymore. I hope it's less common. Um, but it's not. And it's, it, it's not safe. And it's not probably a good mindset to learn that that is a, a safer, appropriate thing to do. I do mm-hmm. think that we're seeing more people take advantage of spray tanning yeah. and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and then another thing Dr. Greenway mentioned is like a spray tan is not a substitute for sunscreen or anything like that either. Yeah. Great. So mm-hmm. it's just not going to – it's not protecting you from the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not um, – you know, it's just not going to make a difference for keeping you healthy right. with sun things. Right. Uh, it's time for us to go on our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from Avera Medical Group. The grass is growing and that means it's time to mow. Please remember these safety measures to protect your health. Wear goggles, hearing protection, gloves, and long pants. Always wear sturdy closed-toed shoes while mowing the lawn. Do not drink alcohol or use other substances before or while using your lawnmower. Do not remove safety devices or guards on the mower and never insert hands or feet into the mower to remove grass or debris. Parents, teach these safety measures to your children. This safety tip is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. 
Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Ashley Ragsdale, and Dr. Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call with your questions at 605-692-1430. So we're talking about being outside Mm -hmm. because I know all of us have been cooped up all winter here. Uh, Biggest thing that we should probably talk about, skin cancer. Okay, let's do it. And skin cancer is super common in our part of the world. You know, we have a lot of people... Uh, just demographically, who are more prone to getting skin cancer, just based on having fair skin and all that stuff. And, you know, our our farming population, you know, there's a huge subset of just professionals who probably spent most of their lives in the sun, maybe before we knew that we should be wearing oh, sunscreen. The benefits yeah. of it, right. Um, so really common. Um, so skin cancer is kind of a broad term. There's a number of subtypes of skin cancer. And I would say sort of the first breakdown would be to sort of classify melanoma, which is, you know, the worst prognosis skin cancer from the rest of them. So melanoma is the one that tends to have dark pigmentation. These will often look like moles, but um, atypical features. So if you see, maybe it's a mole that you've had for a while, the things that signal that this could be a melanoma and should be checked out are things like irregular borders, or if it grows or changes in shape um, in a noticeable way, or if the color gets irregular. So maybe maybe it was darker and now there's parts of it that are lighter or, or vice versa. Those are all things that are probably worthy of getting it checked out because melanoma is something that you, you absolutely want to catch early if you can. So what's our growth rate of melanoma? This is not something that happens in a day, like you're not out in the sun yeah. and then the next day it happens. Right, right. Melanoma, you know, melanoma is kind of an uh, odd and unpredictable cancer. It can be really variable. Um, definitely sun exposure absolutely increases the risk of melanoma, but not all all melanoma is, is necessarily directly related to that either. You can get a melanoma in a place that you've never had sun exposure um, on your skin. So it's it doesn't always follow the rules, which, which is part of what makes it a challenging cancer to deal with at times. What ages? Is it typically in an older adult or do we see it in younger children you as see, well? I would say not ch- children would be really uncommon, okay. but as young as teenagers, probably adolescents and then younger adults can definitely get melanoma and then all all the way through the age spectrum but this is one that's maybe more likely to affect younger adults compared to the other skin cancers what Mm. other kind of skin cancer yeah so the more common skin cancers would be the basal cell and the squamous cell carcinomas These ones are often are not dark in pigment. They might be skin colored. They might be kind of pink. They might be kind of waxy or white colored. Um, and th- those two kind of cancers tend to have a little bit different classic appearance. But sometimes they're they're as as minimal as like you got a scaly spot on your face, and you know maybe you cut it when you're shaving every day, and it just doesn't go away. It just doesn't sure. heal up. So that's what they can look like early on. Um, and certainly if you're a person who's had a lot of skin, and and these these do tend to happen pretty classically in places that you've had a lot of cumulative sun exposure over your lifetime. Mm-hmm. So talking about that one, we are one of our new segments is about Mohs yeah. surgery. Mm-hmm. And so what skin cancer is that one? Yeah, so usually used for basal cell carcinoma, which is the most common type of skin cancer. Um, so Mohs, M-O-H-S surgery right. named, I'm sure, after, you know, some, it was some, a guy. some old guy yeah. who invented it, right? <laughs> um, is performed by dermatologists. And these people, these dermatologists have done extra years of training to do this kind of type of surgery. It's not, sur- you know, you 
don't go into an operating room and get put under for Mohs surgery. Okay. It's it's kind of a minor surgery that happens in their clinic offices. And the advantage of Mohs surgery is that they take smaller pieces of skin on that same day, like immediately after removing at it, they go look under the microscope and see if they've kind of gotten enough border so so that they've gotten past where the cancer has grown. And then once they get there, they can sew it up. So if they go to the microscope and say, uh, there's still cancer all the way up to the border, then we're, we go back and take a little bit more. Um, but compared to the old bigger excisions, usually you can spare more healthy skin with Mohs surgery. I'll say we were fortunate enough to be able to go down and talk to Dr. Jenny Nelson down there and got to watch her uh, with a Mohs surgery. And she was talking to us about sometimes if you're lucky, it's an hour. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's six hours, depending on it. And it is really amazing that she can right there take that uh, sample, mm-hmm. go into a, her other office, look at it under a microscope, and be able to say, okay, we need more, we need less. Yes, yes. And so, and so especially in places that you don't have a lot of extra skin to just yeah. take a bigger piece and be sure you got it all, like the face, the ear, some of these places that are a little right. bit harder to sew big areas up, it's, it's a pretty good advantage. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was really interesting because it was a like the patient that we mm-hmm. saw was a pretty big circle, mm-hmm. uh, and we talked to her about just a lot of she said patient concerns were scarring and stuff like that but just the way that the skin is it it was I mean a couple stitches and it was good to go for that yeah I mean this is the the folks who do most surgery do a lot of it do it every day they're very very good at what they do and usually the cosmetic outcome is probably better than you know if you came to my office and I was going to do it for you (laughs) well and we asked her as well um, because it's one of those things that you I mean skin cancer is pretty prevalent it's not an uncommon thing Uh, and we asked how many she did per month and we were thinking you know 20 25 she's like over 100 yeah (laughs) so uh, something that's not uncommon for her no no absolutely and and people unfortunately people who get these basal cell cancers tend to probably get more of them so I bet she probably sees a lot of patients the same the same patients over and over for she, some of these she cancers. does we yeah. asked about repeat <laughs> patients too so mm-hmm. she said that yeah she sees quite a few of the same people but uh as, like as you were mm-hmm. talking about as opposed to you know 10 years ago 15 years ago or whatever this is just uh, a um better alternative it is. to being able to get this done and plus it's uh instantaneous like you she's able to go in there and take care of it right away yeah. so yeah what other skin cancer things should we be worrying about? You know, I I think w- when it comes to skin cancer, the big things are just protecting yourself for the sc- from the sun and kind of knowing what to watch for. So hopefully we've we've covered a fair bit of that. I think if you ever have a question, I tell my patients, you know, sometimes I'll have a patient come in and just just for the very reason, doc, like I have this mole, I wasn't sure if I should have it looked at. And there are some things that can mimic melanoma. So a really common um, type of mole, especially as people get older, is called a seborrheic keratosis. I would say a couple times a month, I have patients come in worried about these moles, and I can look at them and say, no, this is this is this benign sure. type of mole. It's not a melanoma. But that is a perfectly good reason to see, go see your doc. If you're going to lose sure. sleep over this mole or if you have any concern about it, have someone who knows what to look for. Just take a look at it for you. So individuals do not need to necessarily go straight to their dermatologist. Yeah. You can go to your primary care physician and say, could you take a look at this kind yeah. of thing? And if I share the worry about it, then yeah. then we'd either, you know, most primary care physicians are able to biopsy those things in the office and actually get the process started or certainly refer on to dermatology if necessary. Mm-hmm. 
It's time for us to go for our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. We have just a few minutes left for you to call in with your questions at 605-692-1430. We will return following this informative message from Avera Medical Group. Be aware, with warmer weather, you may find ticks. Ticks live in grassy, bushy, or wooded areas. Spending time outside walking your dog, camping, gardening, or hunting can bring you in close contact with ticks. To prevent ticks from attaching, treat your clothes and gear with products containing 0.5% permethrin. Permethrin can be used to treat boots, clothing, and camping gear and remains protective through several washings. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Ashley Ragsdale, and Dr. Evans is here to answer our medical questions. So we've talked about mosquitoes and ticks mm-hmm. and skin mm-hmm. cancer. Uh, another thing that we see with all of this growth that's happening, um, what do we do about, like, poison ivy rashes and things that from being outside? Yeah, good. So poison ivy, poison oak, all of those um, rashes are a phenomenon we call contact dermatitis. So it's it's an allergic type phenomenon where you get a certain chemical, it's the oil of those plants that gets on the skin and um, your body responds with a very inflammatory um, reaction. So often those will be, there'll be rashes, sometimes they'll even be little vesicles or like blisters on the skin, extremely itchy and irritated. Um, and you may or may not know that you actually stepped through the poison ivy. Sure. I mean, some people do, um, but often it, it might come on and you're not really sure what you got into. Um, those are generally treated with um, steroids. And so if we can, depending on how big the area is, if we can just use topical steroids like a cream or whatever, that's that's best, of course, less side effects. If it's a big area of skin exposure, sometimes it does require actual medicine. But it can be pretty miserable. We definitely see people in the <laughs> office when, when they have a bad case of, of contact dermatitis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking about my own kids here this summer and uh, sometimes they are not great about wearing sunscreen mm-hmm. and specifically my teenager has come home with what is a very bad sunburn. Yeah. What do you do for that? Yeah. So I think it, sort of gentle skincare and moisturizing okay. are probably the, the best um, tips for that. So, you know, wash with cool water. Don't use any harsh soaps or chemicals on it. Um, I would say, you know, overnight giving a, a good, really like a Vaseline type moisturizer okay. is probably good just to keep the skin moist. And and then similar skincare if, the, if that peels or whatever. But I mean, it, it is miserable. I've had some yeah. like that too especially when I was a teenager I did it all the time so I don't what was I thinking but that's what the, about the bubbles perfect. like when they yeah. get the really do you pop the what I do would you say do? just leave them okay. be they eventually will sort of slough off on their own okay. I mean so that's like a blistering that can happen before it peels but if you if you deliberately poke and peel them then you're going to have sort of raw um, yeah. vulnerable skin underneath so probably the longer that that dying skin stays on the better for the skin underneath to sort of develop and, and be more protected so it'll just reabsorb into the... Yeah, I mean, the, eventually that, that will probably thin off and kind of slough off right, like a crust. peel. Okay. Um, but, you know, if you, if, you, if you pick it off prematurely, that skin underneath is going to be really sensitive and, and kind of raw and more, more prone to getting infected or something like that. Um, summertime, what kind of... Um, are you seeing different 
kind of healthcare things that come through the clinic during the summertime? I mean, winter we're cooped up. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I would I would say it is different. So probably more things like injuries and some of these just activity related things as opposed to the tip you know the winter respiratory viruses that kind of thing um in addition to you know all, all the chronic things that we see but of course the other things that go with summer are just safety things so things like you know wearing your life jacket when you're on the boat wearing your helmet when you're out on your bike love biking love love have seen kids out on bikes but make sure um helmets are worn and just you know, do those things to stay stay safe with whatever activity you're doing. Mm -hmm. I'll make a quick plug here for our local uh, libraries. You can check out a park pass for any state park at your local library this summer for free. So just know that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So you can go, uh, Brookings Library is participating in it. Mm -hmm. It's a three-day pass. It's free, and you can check it out as many times as you want. So it's a really great thing that uh, the Department of Park and Rec is Mm -hmm. doing, uh, well, for everybody this summer. So Mm -hmm. Well, and the library in general is pretty Mm -hmm. wonderful. So Mm -hmm. before we go, please make sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Dog Facebook. Facebook page for On Call with the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. Tomorrow, April 27th, we will be airing a new live On Call with the Prairie Doc. Dr. Evans will be joined in the studio by Dr. Mandy Greenway from Avera Medical Group Dermatology Mitchell and Dr. Sarah Sarbacher from Dakota Dermatology. They will be discussing Dermatology 101. So tune in this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for the Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Evans for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.